Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about the energy industry from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and I'm joined for my fortnightly catch-up on the markets, the energy markets, with Jason Durden, Alpha's Head of Energy Markets and Risk Management. Jason, morning to you. How are things going in the markets? In particular, we've had this extraordinary incident of a boat, rather more than a boat, getting stuck in the Suez Canal. How's that affected the oil and gas markets? Have they taken it in their stride? I think largely, Jeremy, there's certainly some volatility in oil over the last week, but I think uh, it coincided with hedge funds uh, trimming position and a, a general bearish tack in Brent and WTI from recent highs. So that was reasonably helpful in terms of it wasn't launching into uh, more bullish territory off of a, a bullish uh, backdrop, but up until sort of last Monday. We had a little bit of a mini sell-off in uh, paper oil. And um, certainly in terms of uh, LNG, I think people took a little while to digest exactly what that meant because for the UK and Europe, it did throw a question over Qatari deliveries into Europe and the UK. But I think uh, the impact was moderate and now looks like it's just delaying the odd ship. So I think we largely got away with that one which is probably more than uh, Evergreen did or the uh, captain of the Ever Given. <laughs> Indeed, it'll be fascinating to find out what the cause of that was, if we ever do. But as you say, a reminder that we're dependent on imports of LNG from Qatar and elsewhere, but potentially the US market can sometimes plug the gap. Are we seeing US cargoes or, or indeed Russian cargoes starting to arrive now in the UK this season? Yes, yeah, so we've seen early April, we have seen a Russian cargo diverted into the UK and there are Russian and US cargoes scheduled in to Europe for early April. We haven't seen any early indications for next month of US cargoes coming into the UK but given Refinitiv and others view on the uh, two BCM extra of LNG most of it from US that will be in the market this year. We think that during the summer, we are likely to see significant volumes again. Just looking at what we've seen for the first quarter of the year, we obviously had a huge fall off in LNG volumes arriving in January because of the spreads just weren't there. And we had the issue with the very expensive Asian LNG prices. But February and March, we have actually seen one more tanker than we did in peak 2020 Q1. So LNG is definitely a cornerstone now of the UK and European gas market. Indeed, because LNG is not the only source of gas. There's pipeline gas from Russia, which feeds continental Europe and therefore has an indirect effect on the UK market. How are things looking with a controversial Nord Stream 2 pipeline? When do you think uh, uh, the markets are betting that gas will finally start to arrive through it? Is it later this year or perhaps even further out? Yes, so originally in sort of we wind back a year, we were expecting to see Nord Stream 2 in Q4 of last year, December, I think, and certainly uh, by Q1. Clearly, with American policy, that hasn't happened. The earliest forecasts are not banking on seeing any Nord Stream 2 flows until Q4, uh, and some are pushing that back into Q1 22. The issue is that Ukrainian transit routes are now, the capacity has not been booked. We know that uh, Russia has booked a little bit more capacity through their 
as, as the winter ended. But there are going to be significant shortfalls in uh, Russian flows into Europe. Generally, the outlook seems to be that the market is well supplied on forecast demand, that 2 billion cubic metres of extra LNG will offset any issues in terms of lower pipeline flows, but removes a localised pipeline market with a globalised market, if you like, and obviously that brings a few more risks. Well, speaking of risks, or perhaps lack of them in this instance, uh, turning now to oil, we're some distance away, I think, from full demand returning to the oil market. How are things looking there in terms of supplies this year compared to last and uh, recovery of oil demand? Well, it's a a very interesting subject, this, because we've seen this huge rally in oil prices right up to $70. Before the issue with the Suez Canal, we saw uh, Brent trading down as low as 60 and WTI below 60 as the hedge funds pulled out of Brent and gasoline specifically. We've seen that bounce back as the Russians and the Saudis have kind of um, suggested that uh, they'll extend cuts further into May and June, because they're always, uh, in terms of the the meeting at the end of March, will always sort of look towards May and June. So I suppose with what's going on in Europe and the lack of demand bounce, certainly for Q2, I think that's probably a sensible move. But if you look at where the data shows, peak oil demand, if you like, uh, in recent terms, pre-COVID was, what, 101 million barrels a day in 19. That dropped to 92 last year, of which there was still 2 million barrels a day more being produced than consumed last year. So although the market has tightened and it has tightened at pace, you know, we're still looking at demand forecast, the latest IEA numbers suggesting 97.5 million barrels for 21 against production of just over 97 million. So it's not quite as tight as it seems. And I think it's only tight if you expect demand to actually rebound to the full number and what we're perhaps seeing in Europe in terms of third wave of COVID is that actually I think demand in terms of international travel and general freeing up of populaces to commute and move around again is being pushed back a little bit further so I think there is these conversations in the market that are talking about the disconnect between the physical oil market and the paper market and you know certainly that was being mentioned as a driver when we saw hedge funds trimming positions and uh, the Chinese specifically using stored oil rather than buying physical cargoes Uh, and there was that little bit of a disconnect which kind of drove the pre-Suez sell-off that people were saying well actually there is no shortage of oil there's plenty of oil floating on the market. Well, it's an interesting observation and one that's particularly fascinating um, to those who of us who wonder why it is that markets don't always uh, reflect fundamentals. And of course, sentiment and, and other factors are hugely important, especially for the hedge funds. But turning now to power and the influence of the commodity prices that you've mentioned, but also carbon, what, what's the outlook there for UK power prices and uh, the interaction with the carbon market? Yeah, so if we start with carbon, and I'm going to nail my colours to the mast here, unfortunately carbon in terms of the way it's traded recently is uh, very much an asset class, a financial tool. And if you look at how it follows oil and equity markets more than it does actually what's going on in the carbon market, and it's heavily politicised as well, of course. But it's the only game in town in terms of uh, European power pricing really at the moment. And we can see that in terms of uh, what it's done to support big price moves on the upside. was trading at the top of its range it 
burst into the 40 to 45 trading range. It seems to move in, in and out of $5 trading ranges. We did see briefly last week before the whole uh, sort of complex got lifted on concerns over Suez. Um, we saw the front year in carbon trading back down briefly below 40 euros, which uh, gave some hope and certainly was seen as pushing prices down in well-managed and relatively liquid exchange-driven European power markets. Unfortunately, that really wasn't the case in the poor old UK power market, which is really suffering from uh, a lack of participants. And it's basically been abandoned by the regulator in terms of liquidity. Any downside in carbon prices at the moment is seen as temporary and therefore a dearth of liquidity in UK power prices. Specifically ahead of one of the biggest expiries of the year, the winter contract expiry, the annual April year contract round and some of the activity levels in the expiring contracts last week was the worst I've seen in 15 years, I think. Well, it's an interesting observation, but perhaps a, a slightly depressing one, a mildly depressing one on which, which to conclude, because this whole subject of UK power market liquidity, or GB power market liquidity to be precise, has been around with us for a while, and I know you have strong opinions on it, so I have a feeling we might return to that one in due course. Well, I hope that was interesting nonetheless, and that, that you found stuff in there that you would find useful. If you'd like to find out more, please visit our website, alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK and we look forward to you joining us for a podcast again soon.